Dr. Michael Roizen. Dr. Michael Roizen. You, the Owner's Manual Radio Show. You're listening to You, the Owner's Manual Radio Podcast on Radio MD, iHeart, or wherever you download us from. Thank you very much for doing that. Do tell your friends about us and do rate us weekly. You can always tell us through whenway.com or thegreatagereboot.com what other guests we should have or if you don't want something or do want something. This is a B segment, 1070-1070. We've been doing it more than 20 years. 1070B, the Bs are always guests who tell us what they feel about things and they're and they often have written books to express that. This is one that I'm just dying to interview, Richard Walker Jr., who is the uh, physician who wrote Black Health Matters, uh, the vital facts you must know to protect your health and that of your loved ones. Um, And obviously at the Cleveland Clinic, we have a minority health fair where I learn some of the differences and um, some of the difficulties the black population has in getting um, healthcare. And this book illustrates some of the differences very well. Dr. Walker, Richard Walker, is uh, trained at Albert Einstein College of Medicine in New York and at the University of Michigan served on the faculty of the University of Texas uh, Medical Center, and you can find out more about this at tvp.care.com. That's Thomas Vincent Peter dash care, C-A-R-E, dot com as the practice area that he practices at. Thanks very much, Dr. Walker, for coming on. Uh, thank you for having me. Do you think there there was a difference in care for, that is, there's a difference um, not in how care is rendered, but in what care is needed for the black population? In other words, what, what drove you to write this as a separate entity called Black Health Matters? Well, thank you for the question, and I think that that question really is a fundamental question to the looking at the problem of uh, health care in the black community, uh, but uh, it really covers both of those portions of the question. If I could, just very quickly, historically, if you go back, you look at the uh, black population Uh, African-Americans, over 400 years, we have never had quality health care. When we go back and you look at the uh, slave trade from that particular point in time, the only time we received health care or any kind of care is when the slave owner recognized that his property was in jeopardy. Only then did they uh, take the slaves to get any kind of treatment. That has continued. Now, that's not saying that we get the, the, the same level uh, of care that we did as slaves. Absolutely not. 
things have improved greatly, but not enough. Uh, and I say that because when you look at the African-American population today, what we find is that we are the sickest population in the country. And our historical uh, time in this country got to such a point that the New York life and equitable uh, actuarials in 1870, 1880, and 1890, they uh, saw that uh, and they, they wrote that the uh, Negro population would be extinct by the year 2000. That's how deplorable the care was. And then what we find is that the continuation of implied bias is still here. And when you look at the healthcare institutions, they know about this, but they, in each new class of medical students and nursing students, there's nothing to address the history of what was done and what we can do to change it. Therefore, um, I found it necessary looking at the health disparity today to make mention about what we can do for ourselves. The essence of the book is empowerment. Stop waiting for the health uh, community to do what we can do ourselves and then partner with the health community rather than being totally dependent upon them. But that's actually a problem for all of us, isn't it? I mean, if you look at type 2 diabetes as a preventable disease, Americans are rampantly not doing things for themselves um, and are developing type 2 diabetes. Now, that's more prevalent in um, the African-American population and I, we just had a story on the, the news of the week, I think last week, where the more fast food restaurants are in a community, the higher the risk of type 2 diabetes. And I guess there's, there's some epidemiology in the black community as well, but this is a book. I think that, that although it's called Black Health Matters, it, it could be um, used by everyone because it is a book about empowerment and about not waiting for you to get ill, but taking uh, a command of things for yourself. So it seems to me that 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 that, that you might write uh, you might write um, Black Health Matters, and the lessons in Black Health can be used by everyone. That's absolutely correct. But the um, issue of Black Health. Uh, is predominant really at this particular point in time because it really is a derivation of the uh, episode that occurred with George Floyd. After his murder, it was Black Lives Matter, and um, the, there was a heightened awareness of everyone about the issues relating to uh, 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 black folks. In that regard, the book can be used by anyone because I talk about all the chronic diseases and what can be done to prevent, to mitigate 
these diseases, but because of the fact that in the African-American community, we get disease earlier, we uh, have it more severely, and we die younger because of these chronic diseases, it was targeted to that population, especially at a time when we are talking about uh, the things that are happening to us and it's becoming more and more prevalent in the community for them to understand. Also, it's important for African-Americans to understand uh, that there is so much that can be done in terms of health for ourselves. And so this is really a good time where there's such sensitivity uh, and awareness of what we can do rather than waiting. We should, there is no way we can't agree with that. That's absolutely true. Um, Now, there's a higher prevalence of high blood pressure in the African-American population. What should they, and some of this obviously is genetic, but what can they do? What can, what can, how do we get um, the African-American community, the black community to do something more for themselves about high blood pressure? One of the things that I discovered during the research was that, and again, this goes back to your previous question, one of the greatest problems that we have in the black community is the belief that all the diseases that are so prevalent in our community are genetic. The research shows that they are not. Type 2 diabetes is not genetic. It is cultural and nutritional. Hypertension, although it, uh, the science says that there is possibly a genetic predisposition, there is no distinct genetic component that has been identified. Uh, the same with any one of the chronic diseases in the black community. So what that means is, and that's the good news, that means if there really is no definitive genetic predisposition to these conditions, that means that they are controllable. We don't have to throw our hands up and say, Aunt uh, Sally had this and Uncle George had this and the whole family tree has had all these diseases, therefore I'm doomed. That is no longer the case. That is not the case. And so it's really changing the mindset to say these things are controllable based upon your culture, your nutrition, your lifestyle habits, and therefore you can do something about it for prevention. And that's also true with both prostate disease and prostate cancer, which seems to be um, of a more aggressive form in the black community, and breast cancer, where they now at the Cleveland Clinic we have a, and I've just learned this today or yesterday or in the recent past, was that the triple negative breast cancer is more common in black populations and is a more lethal form of breast cancer. Um, And that's one of the the things that we're trying to develop a vaccine against at the Cleveland Clinic. Are these just, and I suppose the question is, is it more lethal because we're not detecting it as early because we haven't made healthcare as available? Or are we detecting it later because of the 
if you will, we wait on symptoms in the medical community. Why are these more lethal? Do you know that? I don't know that specifically, but, you know, uh, as you enumerated uh, each one of those things, it really is a combination of all of them. And uh, one of the things that um, I wrote a previous book uh, where it addressed this subject uh, in a little bit more depth, but one of the things about the uh, African-American community, uh, just for an example, uh, if you take uh, vitamin D3 in African-Americans, the level of vitamin D3 is deficient because of the pigmentation of the skin. Therefore, in modern days, we don't go outside as much. We wear long shirts. And you take that combination, studies have shown that a deficiency in vitamin D3 is more prevalent in the African-American community, up to 94% of the population is deficient. And with that, there is a much higher incidence of prostate disease, breast disease, breast cancer. Uh, And when you add the poor nutrition, poor lifestyle habits, all of this is a combination. And then if you step into the medical community, you find the implied bias, which means we don't get the attention, we don't get the focus, uh, and we don't go early enough in order for us to correct the uh, frequency of the occurrences of these disease and or the severity. Now, I should say we're talking with Dr. Richard Walker, trained at Albert Einstein in the University of Michigan, and now runs T-V-P, Thomas Victor Paul dash C-A-R-E dot com, T-V-P care dot com. I think it's Houston-based. But one of the things in the book is this push on the community to get care. And one of the things I really liked about the book is you also talk about oral care and the importance of periodontal care to um, the community. Yes, uh, and uh, you know, it's, there, there are two things in the uh, African-American community that I'll almost never address. One is oral care, and the other is environmental health. And these are discussions that we never have. And so I thought it was really important to uh, bring these to light so that people understand the importance of getting early dental hygiene for the children and the frequency of getting that and how it plays such an important role in other diseases. Uh, Also uh, with environmental health. Uh, We never talk about environmental health in the black community. We always think it's about trees and all that sort of stuff. When the EPA has identified the underserved communities as the most toxic communities in the country, and for every one George Floyd, and this is not to uh, minimize or demean what happened to George Floyd, but for every one George Floyd death, and, uh, of course, there have been uh, thousands of deaths in, in, in similar fashion. There are uh, thousands of unborn children. There are thousands of 
children born prematurely or uh, with congenital diseases because of the toxicity of the community. And nothing is mentioned ever. And these industries, they know this where they put the plants. The plants were built knowing that they, if they built them in the uh, underserved communities, communities of color, we didn't have the political clout nor the financial wherewithal to speak up and to resist. And so we are dying and we have more disease because of both the oral and the environmental exposures. Yeah, I think those are incredibly important points to uh, accentuate. Um, and so I really appreciate that. There's been a shortage, if you will, and I don't know if that's the right word, but a, a lack of uh, black physicians. So you're obviously one who has led and been important in this. Is there also a lack of, of uh, black dentists? Yes, yes. Uh, the professions are woefully underrepresented by African Americans, and this is a this is a very difficult problem to solve because it, there are so many layers as to why. Just like with everything else, there are so many layers, uh, and it is a combination of the things that occur in the home, uh, not pushing hard for kids to step into the sciences to. Uh, really uh, have a focus in those areas, uh, in those professions, as well as the overall communities, uh, educational communities, not driving to seek out more professions, professionals from those communities. The University of Houston is a brand new medical school. Uh, I think it's only three years old now, and it has emphasized getting people from the underserved communities into medical school so that they can return to those communities to serve them. And that should be the case in almost any community. If you take the Native American community or in the Latino community, you know, communities should be represented by a host of professionals, but certainly there should be a predominance of, uh, of the people from that community who serves the community. Dr. Walker, what was your route? How did your parents, or, or who was it who motivated you to study hard enough to go the route you have? Uh, again, I want to thank you for raising that question because, you know, a lot of people, they look past that. I was born and raised in Spanish Harlem in New York, and I don't know if people know anything about Spanish Harlem. Spanish Harlem at the time in which I was growing up was had the highest murder rate of 16-year-olds to 35-year-olds in the country of uh, African-American and Hispanic males. And uh, what I saw, it was just something in me that I refused to uh, accept what was happening to the majority of my friends. Ninety uh, percent of my friends were murdered in prison or on heroin. And there was something in me, and I believe it, it, it had to really start with my parents, where they would not let me hang out. And um, I saw what happened to so many of my friends and their, their parents, 
And I just said, that's not what I want. But really, I have to give credit to my wife. We got married at 18, and at 18, she had the wherewithal, the wisdom to tell me I could be anything that I wanted. And I was always sick as a kid, always going to the doctor. And these doctors would come in. This is in the days of Dr. Welby. They would come in with these beautiful white suits on and their stethoscope. And I just said, oh, this is so marvelous, but they always made me feel better. So it was a combination of things, meeting my wife, having the experiences of always being sick, and then seeing uh, this representation. Of course, there were no, no black figures, but it was the representation in those white suits that when they came in, I knew I was going to get better. And so it was the epiphany for me to say, that's what I wanted to be. The danger came because when I started telling my friends, if they ever asked, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, a doctor, I got, <laughs> I got humiliated because they, they laughed at me and it was like, where did you get that idea from? Because there was no such thing in the community. So I, I learned to keep my mouth shut. And I didn't tell anyone until I got older. One day when I met my wife, we got married at 18. She asked me the same question, and I said, okay, I'm going to trust her this one time. And I told her that, and she shocked me by saying, we can do anything. You just don't hear that in, in the community like that. And for her to say that to me, that turned my entire life around and gave me hope. And one thing led to another, it wasn't by design, we just refused to quit. And obviously, Dr. Walker, you're giving hope to a lot of others as well. So we gotta thank your wife, as well as you, for doing this podcast with us. The book is called Black Health Matters. It's really an incredibly well-written and interesting book on um, how you can take control of your health. And uh, Dr. Walker, we're privileged that you did come on. The website again is T Thomas Victor Peter TVP care.com. Thanks again for coming on. Caitlin, thank you for engineering, and especially thank you, the listener, for downloading us. I should say that this is the epitome as you go through this. This is the epitome of a six normals plus two medical plan or health plan because what he does is talk about how you get a normal blood pressure, how you get a normal LDL cholesterol, how you get a normal glucose, and what role the physician and other things such as immunizations should play. This is a wonderful book, and it is part, I guess, of our classic six normals plus two health segments and health plan and insurance plan and medical plan segments. Thanks again, Dr. Walker. We'll be back next week with 1071 A and B. Thanks again.